become who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that today you will help me articulate your heart to your singles. They're not my singles. They're your singles. And so I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me as an oracle and a mouthpiece to speak the things of God into their lives. And I thank you in advance because Jesus always confirms the word with signs following. And so I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders taking place in their lives. I thank you, Father, for breakthrough taking place today. I thank you for chains being broken today. And I thank you for freedom taking place in their hearts and lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in our final week of our relationship series. And over the past four weeks, we've been dividing our church by relationship status. And so if this is your first time joining us, our 9 o'clock services have been for our married couples. And then this 11 o'clock service has been designed to minister to our singles. And as I thought about how to end this series with our singles, I began to think about all the pressures and struggles and stresses that singles encounter. Whether it's from past relationships that didn't work out or maybe pressures from the family on when you're getting married or unexpected, an unexpected divorce that took place or even just an unplanned layoff. And with you being the only person with an income, how many know that can be stressful? Amen. And then there are those who may be in school and you have the stress of school and then on top of that, the stress of school loans when you finish school. Amen. And then uh, you may not have ever thought about this, but, but even the stress of having to obey God in something that we don't want to do that he wants us to do. Even this can be depressive. I mean, God wanted Jonah to do something that Jonah didn't want to do. And you, you, you can look up Jonah chapter 4 verse 3. It was so bad that Jonah just didn't want to live anymore. Jonah was like, God, kill me. If you look up Jonah 4, 3, it says, so now the Lord, uh, Jonah said, so now, Lord, just kill me. It is better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord said, do you think it's right for you to be angry just because I did not destroy those people? I mean, sometimes when the people who've done us the most wrong seem to have gotten the better end of the stick, how many know that can be depressing too? And so all of these things produce stress and can produce stress. And stress, if it's not dealt with properly, can go and lead to depression. And so if you're taking notes, our teaching topic today is very serious. And I want you to really open your hearts up to it. Today's message is called Broken Mirrors. 
broken mirrors. And if you're taking notes, our primary text is going to be in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And uh, I named it broken mirror because when a mirror is broken, it, it no longer reflects the way it would before it was broken. As a matter of fact, in some cases, a shattered mirror can be like that old nursery rhyme that most of us have grown up listening to. You know, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men, what? They couldn't put Humpty back together again. And with so many issues this day, these days, because I believe that the issues that single people are dealing with are a lot greater than what I was dealing with when I was single. I mean, from, from gender bias in the workforce to unequal pay, domestic abuse, uh, even something as simple as just needing child care money because your ex decides they don't want to pay child support. These are stresses that if they go unaddressed will lead to depression. And that's really what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about how to overcome stress, anxiety, and depression. So just look at your neighbor and say, I didn't know he was coming down this way. And the principles that I'm going to be giving you today will help you manage life by giving you some keys to overcoming depression, anxiety, and stress. And if you're honest with yourself, I don't believe there's nobody in the room who can say that they've never been stressed or never maybe potentially have gone and, and gotten depressed or had some anxious thoughts about themselves. And so the foundation of our lesson today is centered around a man that we really don't know a lot about. Uh, but we're going to use our sanctified imaginations today to, to, to look between the lines of the story of this man's life uh, because I think we'll be able to see his life circumstances or his personal choices that may have turned negative, how it affected him and could have put him in a position to be depressed. So let's go to Mark chapter 2 and we're going to read the whole story and then we're gonna, I'm going to give you some principles of overcoming stressful situations, anxiety, and depression. It says in verse 1, And again, he, Jesus, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noised abroad that he was in the house. How many know Jesus is in the house? And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. Sold out crowd. Not, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the what class? What did he preach? The word. And that's why Pastor Redmond preaches the word here. I might give you a story, but that story is going to have the word in it. I might give you an example. That example is going to have the word in it. You know why? Because the word is the only thing that's going to change your life. Amen. And it says here in verse 3, And they came to him. And they brought one who was sick of the parsley, which was born or brought by four people. And when they could not come near to him, near to Jesus, because of the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the parsley lay. When Jesus saw their what class? When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the parsley, Son, your sins be forgiven. 
And, and, and what's amazing about this story is we never got the man's name. We never got who his friends were. As a matter of fact, what's amazing to me is that they tore up somebody's roof to get him to Jesus. Now, how would you like to be part of a small group? Let's say you at True Group and they use in your house and you see your roof opening up. So let's dissect this story and look at some principles that we can extract that will help you and I deal with the pressures of life. And so the first thing I want us to look at was the fact that this man was crippled. Now, we don't know if he was born this way. We don't know if this happened to him. All we know is that he was crippled. We don't know if he was partially paralyzed or fully paralyzed. But what we do know is that it took four people to carry him around. His condition helps us understand that we're all prone, what I call, to being victims of life's unplanned negative circumstances. There may have been some things that happened to you in life before you even knew who God and Jesus were. And sometimes that happens to people. In other words, life's unplanned negative circumstances knocks on their door. And I believe that's one of the things that happened to this young man. And so Jesus said, watch this, because in this life we're going to have trials and we're going to have tribulations. Jesus said in, six, in John 16, these things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have what, class? Come on, you shall have what? You shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have what? Overcome the world. So trials are going to happen. Everybody say trials are going to happen. Trials are going to happen, but Jesus gives us the major key to overcoming them, and that's him. Amen. He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So let's approach the problem with the solution up front. Jesus is the answer. Drinking's not the answer. Drugs are not the answer. Another relationship is not the answer. Quitting school is not the answer. You know, uh, keying your OX car is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. We can see that this paralyzed guy had enough sense to find Jesus in his situation. So before we dive into the story and dissect it, I just want to talk about maybe what depression is and what causes it. So I looked up depression in the dictionary. It means a sunken place of sadness. Everybody say a sunken place. A sunken place of sadness. It means gloom and dejection. And here's the thing about depression. It is produced by a series of negative emotions that we have allowed to linger too long. I'm going to say that again. Depression is produced by a series of negative emotions that you and I have allowed to linger too long. So what I'm going to do now is list just a few things that can cause depression. Because some of you in this room don't know you're depressed. Here's the first thing. Past abusive situations. Especially if they've never been dealt with or acknowledged. The sad thing is there are lots of people across the world who have been abused 
when they were younger by their siblings or by their by their uncle or by their cousin or by a parent's friend and the parent never knew about it. So these past abusive situations can create depression. Here's another one. Death or the loss of a loved one. And the reason I say death of a loved one, because, of course, that can be your mom or anybody who was close to you. But I also included the loss of a loved one because that includes an ex-spouse who was divorced from you. See, divorce can be one of the things that create depression because, watch this, it's a pull or it's a removal from somebody you love. I know you hate them now, but you didn't walk down the aisle knowing you was going to get a divorce. Hello. Here's another thing. Overwhelming situations. These are things that can cause anxiety, stress, and depression. Overwhelming situations. A job loss or job issues. Stressful projects. Children issues if you're a parent. Financial challenges. Amen. And here's one that many people don't think about that can create stress, anxiety, and depression. And that is believing lies about ourselves and our situation. Believing lies about ourselves and our situation. It can produce stress. Amen. And here's the thing. When I was going through this building project, it was the most stressful thing that I have ever done in my life. And throughout the project, I had to continue to remind myself that it was God's project. I had to continue to remind myself of the verse he gave me before we even got started because he knew everything that was going to happen at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. And all I kept saying to myself was God said he was going to plant us in a place of our own and we weren't going to move no more. And every time I saw something that contradicted that, I had to say it. I had to say it. And there were times where I didn't want to say it. There are times that I'd just rather stay in the bed that day because the lie that the devil was telling me is, y'all ain't going to never get in that building. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a half building. You're going to lose it, and everybody's going to be like, see there, that Pastor Devin, he didn't know. He didn't, God didn't tell him to build that building. And see, if you don't watch it, the lies that the devil will tell you will sink you into a sinking place. Unexpected health issues. Deferred dreams. This was, this was good right here. Deferred dreams, goals, and desires. Deferred dreams, goals, and desires. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I'm going to read that in the uh, Living Bible. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when dreams come true at last... There is life and joy. So even something like deferred dreams can cause depression if we let it. And so it is very important to keep your dreams and desires at what I call a kingdom perspective. In other words, when you commit everything about your life to the Lord, then you must rest in His promise manifestation timing. I'm going to say that again. When you commit everything, say everything. When you commit everything to the Lord, your whole life, then you must rest in His promise, manifestation, timing. In other words, let me give you a take-home thought. Patience has to become your friend or time will become your enemy. 
I'm going to say that again. As a single person, because listen, you and I have the ability to dream and God wants us to dream. But at the same time, we can't make our dreams happen. You just can't make your future mate show up. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could just snap your fingers and the man of God or the woman of God would just be in your life? Well, I'm glad it don't happen like that because many of y'all be snapping five and six and seven, eight times. <laughs> snap one, then be with them for a while, then snap again. And then you just turn into a dance, I'm telling you. <laughs> Patience has to become your friend or time will become your enemy. And just like this man, I'm pretty sure we've all found ourselves in stressful situations And you have to remember, listen to this now, the goal of depression is not to just depress you, but to suppress you. See, depress is to press you down. Suppress is to shut you down. I'm going to say that again. Depress means to push you down, but suppress means to shut you down. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? See, typically depression is the result of just thinking about us and only us and all what I'm going through, me, myself, and I. And because of that, if we think about us too long, listen, God can't use us to help other people. And that's what life is all about. It's all about us helping other people and not just about us and us and us and us. And what happens is, listen, if depression not only pushes you down but shuts you down, now God can't use you to minister His life to other people. So what I'm going to do now is give you some principles, and I think I have three of them here, on how to overcome anxiety, depression, and stress. Here's the first principle, and that is never face life's issues alone. Never face life's issues alone. Look in verse 2 now. Let's go back to verse 2. It says, And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word to them. Verse 3. And they, everybody say they. Everybody say they. Come on, everybody say they. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought by four. In other words, this paralyzed man had some friends around him that cared enough about him to get him some help. And the beautiful thing about his friends that I like is that they all believed in the same type of help. They were equally yoked enough to believe the same thing. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? I love the Amplified Version. Watch what it says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership have right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Or how can light have fellowship with darkness? Listen, the last thing you need during a stressful or depressing time in your life is you having to explain to your carnal or unsaved friend why getting an abortion is not an option for you. 
You should not have to be going through a depressing time and at the same time having to explain to these unsaved carnal friends of yours why you're not going to do it the way they want to do it because the way they want to do it is not the way God wants you to do it. Somebody say amen to that. People who are not at your spiritual level or higher will always cater to what they feel is convenient for you, even if it's not right for you. Now, I'm about to give you a take-home statement, and I could just shut the whole thing down right here. Here's a take-home statement. Sometimes the difference between life and death, success and failure, is the source of our advice. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all, 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 y'all is sinking in. Sometimes the difference between life and death, blessings and cursings, success or failure is the source of our advice. Amen. This man's friends had the same beliefs that he did. And when we try to face problems alone, This is when stress, anxiety, and depression begin to pile up. And unresolved stress typically leads to depression. See, one of the definitions that I gave you of depression was a sunken place. Everybody say a sunken place. That means a lowering of emotions because that's where depression, anxiety, and stress takes place. It doesn't take place in your spirit. It it takes place in your soul. And that's what depression is. It's a sunken place. It's a lowering of our emotions. And this is why people turn to drugs. This is why people turn to alcohol. This is why people turn to shopping. Come on now. I did it recently. My best friend was going through something very challenging. And I mean, it was challenging. I mean, listen, that's my best friend. I will fight you over this man, right? And I saw him going through something. And I know it was stressing him. And because it was stressing him, it was stressing me. And so I decided to try to shop it off that day. How many know it didn't work? No, but Pastor Sorry got a new purse. I got some new luggage. I mean, listen, at least I had something new by the end of the day. Because people are trying to pull their emotions out of this sunken place. And listen, I'm going to tell you something that you may not have known. Even Jesus had to deal with being in a sunken place. See, we don't see Jesus like that. We just see Jesus as this... Man of God that uh, all he did was perform miracles. He was above being human. But the scripture says we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, who was tempted in all points like we were. The only difference between him and us is that he went through those temptations without sin. So let's go to Matthew chapter 26 because some of you are in denial. You're in denial. You are depressed but you don't want to believe it you're in depressed you you're you're in denial you you were depressed and 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 see i want you to see that this happened to jesus i mean if it can happen to jesus it can happen to you right watch what it says in matthew chapter 26 verse 36 then come jesus with them three guys, unto a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, 
I want you to sit right here while I go and pray. So verse 37, it says, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be sorrowful. There it is right there. That's depression. He began to be what? Sorrowful and very what? Heavy. Then he said to them, hey, my soul, because this is where all that takes place at. I'm going to show you how to fix it in just a minute. He says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. He said, listen, I feel so down, I want to die. And that's why people commit suicide. He says, listen, I feel so heavy right now. I feel exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. He says, stay here and watch with me. Verse 39, he went a little further. He fell on his face and listened to his prayer. He says, oh, my father, is it possible? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Have you ever went through something? And maybe it was your fault that you was in it. And you said, Lord, is there a way for you to get me out of this mess? I don't know about you, but I don't know how many prayers I prayed like that. Lord, if you were just getting me out of this mess. And see, that's, Jesus was saying, listen, uh, God, Father, I just need, is there a way to, to, to get me out of this mess? And listen to what he says. Let this cup pass from me. He says, but you know what? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will be done. See, there are some things that we have to go through so we can grow through. I'm going to say that again. There are some things in life that you cannot avoid that I wish we could. I wish we could get some spiritual calisthenics and jump over some situations and go through some situations without being burned. But at the end of the day, there are some things you got to go through so you can grow through. And I want you to notice that during the most difficult time in Jesus' life, because here's my point. My point is you can't face life alone when you're going through stressful moments. If you notice, Jesus did not face this very difficult time in his life alone. He had three of his trusted disciples with him. And they knew enough about what was going on so they could pray for him. And the sad thing is, they would sleep every time he came back for them to sleep. But, but here's the beautiful thing. Even if our friends forsake us, God doesn't. The Bible even says that Jesus makes intercession for us. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It says, It is Christ that died, yet the, rather rise again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. In other words, if nobody is praying for you, Jesus is. And this is one of the reasons why we have true groups here at the church. We have true groups here, so you won't do life alone. Because not only did God design us to grow in community, God also designed us to grow from community. I'm going to say that again. God designed us to grow in community amongst people, but he also designed us to grow from community. In other words, he wants us to, to, to be around people that will help us to grow. And when God said it wasn't good to be, for man to be alone, what he was saying was it's not good for man to be isolated. So number one, you never face life issues alone. Here's number two. We're almost done here. And that is... 
Quitting or giving up should never be an option. The, the world calls it throwing in the towel. Throwing in the towel should never be an option. So let's look in verse 4 quickly in Mark chapter 2. It says, And when they were come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the parsley lay. And what's, what's interesting is, for some reason, they didn't give up, even though they ran into roadblocks. Maybe they didn't give up because, you know, the Bible says they heard that Jesus was around. Maybe they heard what he said in Matthew 19, 26, when he said, with men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Maybe they heard Jesus say Mark 9, 23, which says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. But I do know at some point, you and I must do what this man did, and that is allow the word that we know to remind us of what we believe. I'm going to say that again. This man had to remind himself not only of what he knew, but to remind him that he believed. And quitting is only an option when the natural options that we believed in have run out and we haven't considered our spiritual options. There are so many believers, we run to the natural options before we even think about the spiritual options. Let me tell you something. God's way is not only the best way. When you let Jesus be Lord, it's the only way. Let me tell you something. I did not want to be a preacher. It just wasn't on my bucket list. I mean, people don't even smile when you say, they ask, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh. I mean, it's, it's not even, a, you know, I'm, I'm, and, and I just didn't want to do that. It's just, I mean, first of all, I didn't know that uh, God would even ask me to do it. So let's just start there because... I, I, I didn't, I mean, if you just rewind my life 30 some years ago and, and you'd have told me that I was going to be a preacher before I even got saved, I wouldn't even have known that I would be able to talk to you without cussing. I mean, they would have called me the cussing preacher. Because I would be talking to y'all and be cussing and don't even know I'm doing it. I mean, one time my sister, you know, we used to eat family at the table like the Waltons, you know, John Boyd M. And uh, we were sitting at the table, and, and so my dad, you know, he was real social, and so he was like, you know, everybody had to say grace, you know, or say something that, you know, happened good to them, uh, you know, that day or whatever. And so when it got to me, right, and I was describing what happened that day, I didn't realize I cussed. So my sister kicked me under the table. I'm like, why she kicking me? Didn't even know. And it came out so smooth, they didn't even recognize me. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to do this, but, but when I learned that God has bent me to do something that only I can do and that he wants me to do and that if I trust him, I'm going to want to do it, I just made a decision. I'm going to do what God wants me to do even if I don't think I want to do it because I'm not him and I don't know who I am and if I'm going to like it anyway. And here it is today, I like what I'm doing. Someone say amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
We're perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Romans 8.35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for, the, for thy sake we are killed all the day, the lay long. But watch verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, in all these things, in all these pressures you are going through, you are still more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Look at your neighbor and say, giving up is not an option. Here's the last one right here. Here's the last one. And that is, you have to always stay in faith. Look in verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. I don't know what this dude did to get in that situation. A lot of times when we fall into self-made situations we tend to not ask God for his help because we feel we are we in that because we're responsible and 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 they say well you made the bed you might as well lie in it so so I don't have the faith to ask God about it because I feel like I got myself in I need to get myself out but that's not how God operates he wants us to come to him to get help and you know what if we do he will work all things together for our good even if it was our fault oh y'all didn't hear that did you I said God will work all things together for his good and his glory even if it's your fault this man right here, I don't know what he did, but whatever he did, there were some sins attached to him where Jesus said, listen, I forgive you. And sometimes the last thing we want to do when we're feeling down or depressed is to hear faith. You know why? Because our flesh will never want to participate in God's will for our life. We can't get so in our feelings that we forget we're spiritual beings first. And since depression, everybody say depression. Since depression and anxiety take place in the soul realm, we must make sure that our souls are getting the soul food it needs to stay in faith. You can't afford to stay in the bed. You can't, you can't afford not to come to church. Watch, watch Psalm 19.7. It says, the law or the word of the Lord is perfect and it converts the soul. Faith is so powerful that God makes sure that the last sense that leaves your body before you die is your hearing. The last sense that leaves, it's your hearing because he wants to always allow you to hear so you can believe. I'll close with this story. So I'm at a, I'm at a uh, uh, we had a member who, uh, I'm going to ask you all to give me five minutes because they took five of my minutes. Can I have five minutes? Because they took five, they really took ten, but I'm gonna ask you for five. Because this story is not in my in my in my notes, but I feel led to share it. Uh, about three weeks ago, a member who had been on a kidney donor list got the call while they were in church that his kidney showed up. So he leaves church, goes, and Sunday night gets his kidney transplanted. Everything looked good, sounded good. But then I get a, 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 a text message later on that night, I believe it was, that he coded. He died. They got him back to life. First thing Monday morning, I'm going to the hospital. And I, I already know what I'm going to do when I get there. I already know who I need to talk to when I get there. So I got to the hospital. 
I said, go get everybody in the family who's here. Go get everybody. Go get everybody because I don't want to say this twice. Come on, everybody get in the room. And, you know, and I, I kind of got, kinda got that take charge attitude when I do something, you know. And so, you know, if you just let me do it, I'm going to take charge. So I got everybody in the room. And I said, hey, uh, here's the deal. I said, so I, I explained who I was and how I'm that person's pastor and his wife was in the room. I said, so here's the deal. Let's just start out understanding what God's will is. I said, he did not get a kidney transplant if he wanted to die. Okay, so we know it's God's will to heal and for us to be alive. So I had to make it clear to them it was his will to live too. Now, if you were to saw a picture of this man, you wouldn't even have wanted to pray. He was on a life support machine that was holding him up. He looked dead. But when you're a believer, you don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. That's what I'm talking about right here. So I said, so here's the deal. I'm going to tell you what you're going to tell everybody when they ask you about Uncle Jerome. I said, here's what you're going to say. He shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I said, so say, everybody say this with me. Say, he shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. I say, so when they call you and say, hey, what's the update? What's the update? You're going to tell them just like that. They say, well, what else? That's it. I said, because it was his will to live. I said, now, it may not look like it, but he can hear. My mom, when she went through a, a, a major, major stroke years ago, she could hear even though we didn't think she could. So I said, so here's the deal. When the doctors and nurses come in to give him an update, have him to do it outside because he don't know how bad it is right now. Let him say it outside. So they said, okay, we're going to do that. I said, now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And the Bible says when I pray the prayer of faith and I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Bottom line. So that's what's going to happen. And if you don't believe that, you can leave before I pray. If Jesus put some people out, I will put you out. We prayed on Monday morning. I get a text Monday afternoon, Pastor, he's responding to me and the nurse. I get a text on Tuesday, Pastor, he's up and he's moving around. They've taken him off of life support. Wednesday, Pastor, they put him in a regular room. Thursday, Pastor, he's going home. Friday, he's at home. Why? Because we stay in faith. I don't care what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what stresses you're under. I don't know what depressive thoughts you've had. But what I do know, if you will stay in faith, God will come through for you. Be seated. I use my five on the story. So since this is my last Sunday with the singles, I'm going to take three more minutes. So what are some keys to overcoming depression? Let me tell you what not to do first. Here's number one, what not to do. Do not isolate yourself. Number two, do not make major decisions when you're in that state. If you have to make a major decision for whatever reason, don't make that decision alone. 
Proverbs 11:14 says, "Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety." And when you get some counsel, please don't go down spiritually to get some counseling. Always go up. Here's the third thing or the fourth thing. Don't stop coming to church. Amen. If you remember the sick man in the story, he still found his way to Jesus. Here's the next one. Don't stop reading your Bible and praying. Even if you have to force yourself. There were days when I was going through this building process. You have to understand this was millions of dollars. This was the biggest thing that I ever had. And there were days I didn't want to pray. I made myself pray. Now let me tell you what to do real quick. Number one, tell a friend how you're feeling. Because the best way to expose a lie is to tell it to a word-based believer. When you tell, when the devil's telling you all these lies, tell your friend, tell your spiritual friend what's going on so they, de- they can help you detect that lie. Here's the second thing you need to do. If you've been depressed or in a depressed state for more than a month, you need to go to the doctor. I know we don't like doctors. I know Jesus healed you. That's good. Let the doctors check you out, though. No, go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. Get your levels checked. Because, see, depression also has to do with chemical imbalances in our body. Go to the doctor. Jesus, God made doctors. He gave them the knowledge. Go to the doctor. Get your levels checked out. If they want to prescribe you some medication, ask them are there any natural remedies or some lifestyle changes you can make without taking the medication. Just ask them. And then if they give you some, say, you know what, let me do that for 30 days and come back. And if you do it and come back in 30 days and you still in the funk, take the medicine by faith in Jesus' name. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Take the medicine and take it. And when you swallow it, say, in Jesus' name, I'm healed. Here's the next one. Use your mouth to spark faith in your heart. And begin to call those things that be not as though they were. I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I said the verse to this building. But I said it and I said it and I said it. Pray in tongues more than what you normally do. Here's the next one. Remove yourself as much as possible from things that trigger depressive thoughts. Remove old photos from your house of your ex. Stop listening to music that causes flashbacks. Come on now booed up. Well, you don't need to be booed up. No, no booed up. No booed up. They need to write that song. No booed up. No booed up. Change the scenery. Stop going to places that trigger negative emotions. You and your girls or friends or whatever you used to go to this. Don't go. Remove yourself from social media if you have to for a season so the fake lives you see in Don't create trigger points because a lot of what you see on social media, it ain't real. Listen, start trusting when you're stressing. Psalm 43, 5 says, when you go, when I I am cast down, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. And then here's the last one. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you feel that thing coming, just break out into a praise. And you say, I ain't going to feel like it. Well, you got a choice. 
Do you want to win or lose? Hallelujah. There's a cloud of depression on some of y'all. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I did what you wanted me to do today. And so now I need what you need to do that I can't do. And I need, Father, for you by the Spirit of God to break some chains of depression and remove the clouds of depression over these singles, Father, who's been challenged. Some of them, the devil was trying to convince them that they're going crazy. And so, devil, right now, I serve you notice. I command you to leave them alone. The blood of Jesus is against you. And they choose today to follow God in his way. And so you must go in Jesus' name and don't come back. Spirit of depression, don't come back in Jesus' name. Father, break every chain and destroy every spirit that is trying to bring harm, suppression, and depression over these singles' lives. And if you receive that, say, I receive that. Say, I release every negative thought that's trying to bring me down. I rebuke every negative spirit that is trying to depress me. I put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus. And today, I won't give up. I will tell somebody and I will stay in faith in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you today. Thank you so much for being patient. With every head still bowed, there are some people here today that need to make Jesus their Lord. You're not saved.